Hello there. You're listening to Local Bops, a music podcast about artists, community, and craft. And I'm your host, Connor Beckett. On this episode, I'm speaking with Ellery Saxel, a composer and director from Brooklyn, about her new record, The Blue of Distance. It's an LP that was constructed during two distinct periods, half during a summer artist retreat in the Adirondacks, and the other part on a frozen lake in Wisconsin. It's an album that's full of interesting dynamics. Instrumentally, there's interplay between chamber orchestra and digitally manipulated field recordings of water and wind, which congeal into a final effort that's a pleasant, engaging mix of both ambient and neoclassical sounds. Thematically, The Blue of Distance explores concepts of nature and memory, both digital and human, and the ever-receding nature of one's personal past. It's already a contender for one of my favorite records of 2021, and I was delighted to chat with Saxel about its conception, her process, and her experiences during its creation. Our conversation drifted into a wider discussion of what constitutes a banger and the relief of letting things go. Take a listen. I love like any uh, creative output that's anchored to a particular place and period. And with this record, you know, there's two central locales, upstate New York during the summertime and a frozen island on Lake Superior during the winter. I was just as an introductory segue. Can you tell me a little bit about that first summary half of the album where you were specifically and what was going on in your life during its composition? I was in Blue Mountain, New York, which is in the Adirondacks, about five hours north of the city, so pretty far into the Adirondacks. And I was at a place called the Blue Mountain Center, which is a residency center for mostly writers, some artists, and a lot of activists and organizers. So it's a pretty small place, but everybody has some sort of part of what they do that's I guess, tied to thinking about the world and thinking about how to make the world better. So it was a really cool group of people to spend a month with. And yeah, so I was there in the middle of summer for a month. And it was the first time in my life that I've had a whole month just to work on music and not to have any other expectations. And it was also the first time that I would that anybody referred to me as a composer and so all these things were making me just filled with feeling really good and I would every morning wake up pretty early and go there were some canoes and so I would paddle out on to this lake and watch the the morning fog get burned off by the sun as the sun rose and uh, just sit out there and sort of listen to the sounds around me and watch the ripples around the boat. And I guess I was sort of meditating, but I, I didn't really realize that, like I didn't have that language, but it was just a, having a moment every morning to really listen deeply to the sounds that were around me. And I was really struck with how it felt like there were these pulsing sensations that were I think some sort of combination of the actual sounds I was hearing, but then also sort of like the sounds that I was ascribing to the ripples in the water and sort of hearing that visual thing. I just felt like, oh, like there's all of these sort of melodies that are appearing in my ear. I should go paddle back to land and go to, to my studio and just try to 
make music that sounds like this thing that I've just heard in, in my head. And so most of that month was just that process of like trying to sit and listen with a lot of focus and, and basically just like take the, the melodies that were happening around me and think about what sort of instruments they might sound like. Yeah. It's, that's so interesting to me because I did have like a secondary question specifically about the construction of this record when you were engaging with the digital manipulation of, you know, the sounds of wind and water that you had recorded during the summertime. Did you feel as though that manipulation of an organic sample into something more melodic and synthetic created a sensation that felt reminiscent of what you were feeling during that initial time upstate? Or did you feel an entirely new sensation unto itself? One of the things that that I was struck by when I was having those early experiences of sitting outside and listening was how those pulsing sounds that were being made by wind and water reminded me of club music, basically, like house music. And it felt in my head really easy to hear that. But then if I listened to the recording back, it didn't at all (laughs) have that feeling. And so I think one of the very first goals that I was trying to figure out is like, is there something I can do to these recordings that will bring out that, that quality to it more and make it easier for other people to sort of make that connection. And so, yeah, I just started sort of like running it through all of these processes in the computer to, to figure out like, can I bring out these like beats that are basically in these recordings? Um, and can I like sort of add harmonic qualities to it so that it sounds like there's like chords being played? And I wouldn't, I, I think it felt like, like the, the very first thing that I worked on was the second track, Blue. And that track has like that, that sort of like pulsing, chugging thing, which is a recording of, of water. Um, but it, sounds super synthetic and like very artificial like it doesn't sound like water and from the beginning it was like taking this thing out of a natural setting and and definitely placing it in like a digital technological aesthetic um and I I think that felt from the beginning sort of like representative of of like the experience that I I have had as you know being the generation I am of, of growing up with the internet and and recognizing that like any experience that i have with nature is from the beginning being filtered through this understanding of what nature is has been presented to me through technology and that there there is like there is no nature anymore like we we have affected all of it and also our understanding of what nature is is already being mediated through things
I was spe- specifically wanted to ask about um, the track Blue because it's actually um, it's my favorite track on the record. Um, cool. It's my favorite. Too. Oh, I love that. <laughs> I guess with Blue being the first track that you recorded for this, when things all started to come together where you have this sort of synthetic aquatic introduction that's thundering forward and it creates this momentum that eventually builds um, as new elements like sort of enter the frame, uh, specifically woodwinds and strings. Uh, that feels like it's like the first sort of culmination of the thesis that's at the core of the blue of distance. So when you finally achieved that, what did that feel like? I, I can I can only imagine nothing short of ecstatic bliss. Yeah, it it was a really wild feeling. I that was the first thing I wrote, and I wrote it like right. Like I I went into this month long experience, and I was like, okay, I have this idea. I'm gonna try like basically like one process, digital process that I wanted to try on these recordings. I don't know if it's gonna work, but I want to try it. And I tried it like on the first day and came up with the foundation for that track and then just wrote it in like the next three days and and I it did feel crazy it felt like it just was like writing itself sort of and I kept taking breaks to go outside and like literally like sprint up this hill because I felt this like energy in me and it was like way too much to contain and I just like needed to get it out but also knew that I needed to not stop like I needed to just keep going otherwise I was gonna lose sort of lose touch with it so I kept just like going and like sprinting or like doing push-ups or things to just like get this energy out so that I could then just go back and sit down at the computer and finish what I was trying to do I I absolutely love that um because now it has entirely reframed my understanding of this record (laughs) uh which is uh, that the blue of distance is now um, a workout record. I w- they they are bangers, but they're like real deep bangers. So you really gotta like be in for the journey. But I I just I keep wanting to see somebody like blasting it out their window, you know, like driving down the road. But like this is where I wanted to get into. So if we so if we conceptualize um, the blue of distance as a record solely of bangers in that context, um, what is the ideal club setting in which the blue of distance plays i haven't i have some initial thoughts on this but i would love to hear your thoughts first i don't think i have any thoughts (laughs) yeah no i think like you know i think the most i can say is like the majority of the music that i enjoy listening to is i would say like the thing that ties it all together is that it all has a pretty like palpable groove to it and a lot of times that's you know very straightforward house music disco but sometimes it is more classical music but the the stuff that jumps out to me is is music that has a groove and so you know I think there's just like there's a lot of different tempos and a lot of different ways in which we can feel that groove but um I don't have an answer but I think yeah my hope is that like some of that that groove comes through to people in this record. I guess getting back to the technical side of things, you you had spoken previously a bit about using a technique called side chaining in the production of this record as a way to keep the original recordings of 
water and wind in the foreground. Um, could you tell me a little bit more about that technical process because I'm really interested in it and why it, it was important to you that those original unedited for the most part sounds retain a presence of some kind on these tracks sure wait i do want to know what your ideal club setting is oh yeah i completely i said i was going to tell you and then i didn't tell you okay my ideal club setting for the listening party for the blue of distance is um so I, there's a particular place i'm going to mention that it may may have no bearing but i went to a music festival that was hosted at meriwether post pavilion in Maryland when I was a freshman in college and they there was a separate side area of that festival that was sort of a, it was a grove of trees in a semicircle and they had a stage there um, and that was where all the sort of heady kind of baggy acts were performing I remember washed out was there I'm pretty sure neon Indian was there as well so that at nighttime with uh, tiki torches is the ideal setting for me connor if you can make that happen i'm there i i well this is my life's work now like forget the forget the podcast i just need to make this outdoor this outdoor blue of distance banger happen i'm one day i'm ready i mean i would say that my favorite parties are parties with good speakers in the woods so you have Mm -hmm. definitely definitely gotten there Back to side chain. Oh, yes. So there's maybe like there were two different things that I was trying to do. So, yeah, side chain compression is 
is just a way that you have the compression on one thing being triggered by another thing. So normally it's like you have compression on hi-hats that's being triggered by a kick drum and it just makes it so that anytime the kick drum hits the hi-hats will get quieter so that the kick drum comes through so what i did on the last track the blue of distance was i wanted to figure out a way to take this recording of wind that was an unprocessed just a normal recording of wind and make it really pulse like go like and so I had this idea that like I've done that on synths before by sidechaining it to a kick drum in, in like a you know like a rock band. And so I was like, well, maybe I can like basically add a kick drum that I'll later mute, but I can then sidechain it to this recording of wind so that it just makes this wind kind of pulse in and out and go like kind of th- thumpy. Um, and so. Th- the idea behind that was just like trying to figure out a way to to recreate that feeling of of pulsing that I had felt being outside, but be like as explicit as possible about what that sound sounded like or felt like to me when I was sitting outside. And the the other part of that is that on that track in particular, which is the last track of the record, I have the natural unaffected sound of wind come in at the very end of the track with no sidechain compression and and no sort of eq weirdness to make it sound like a chord and just kind of like it like bubbles up at the very end in its natural state and yet that idea i wanted to do because i wanted to like kind of give give the sound like a like a nod to it that like it had been there the whole time and that that was the sound that we were hearing that sounded like a synth. Yeah, that that felt both like this musical idea that I wanted to sort of sort of like re- reveal that like those were the sounds that that were behind all of those synthetic sounds throughout the whole record. And then, you know, on a, on a more conceptual level, that was sort of this idea of like these natural sounds are always around us and if we just sort of like take the time to really focus and listen with intention, we will hear them amidst all of these other more technological things that are happening. Right. The kind of this idea that nature, well, our conceptualization of nature reveals itself. Yeah. Yeah, totally. It, it reveals itself, but only if we, um, I think, take the time to, to listen with intention. Thank you. 
I wanted to ask specifically about the, the last track and the title track of this record and just the title of the record itself, um, which originated in A Field Guide to Getting Lost by Rebecca Solnet. The phrase, the blue of distance, refers to that visual illusion of faraway mountains appearing blue. It's a phenomenon that disappears as you get closer to the destination. It feels in the context of this record that, you know, as we get closer to a more nuanced understanding of the past or, you know, look more into what whatever's happened to us or whatever's already in the background of our lives, as much as we kind of engage with this meditative exercise and, and recalling it, it's forever at a distance, um, regardless of what you do. And that in the context of this record, and the more I thought about it and the more I listened to the music that you'd created, it just felt like kind of a tragic end. But I imagine you as someone who spent a lot of time around this project might see it in a different light. Yeah, I think for me, the end felt, it did feel melancholic, definitely. And there was pain, definitely. But it felt more like I had reached some sort of acceptance and felt sort of ready to let go of something. And I I guess the the something was like trying to get back to, to a place or to a feeling or to a person that I had been with in in that summertime and I had spent after that summer just spent the whole rest of that year just like really feeling super low and a lot of that feeling was that I just wanted so desperately to be back there and back there both physically but also just in terms of the feeling that I had had and I think reading about that idea of the blue of distance for me actually allowed me to sort of step through that longing and to realize that like part of what made that experience so beautiful was that it was (laughs) in my memory and and that it was far away and that there was beauty in the longing itself and that I didn't need to try to, to close that gap or try to get back there. I I could just sort of like accept that longing as being its own beautiful thing. So yeah, I I think my my feeling with the the last track was like kind of like a sigh of, of like relief and like of of acceptance of like okay I had this whole thing and like I'm gonna let it go. Thank you so much for discussing this record with me. I have perhaps my most poorly written last question for you which is i just wanted to ask about your future plans you started working on this record several years ago it's finally out what's what what do you think's next for you oh man well yeah i did start working on this and finished it a long time ago so there's a there is definitely a pretty big backlog right now of things i I don't really know what's going to come out next but yeah there's a lot of stuff sort of sitting in the (laughs) in the wings but to be honest I've spent most of the pandemic time just trying to get better at making a really good pop song and just trying to get better at like making beats and production and singing 
So I, I don't know what's gonna come of that, if it'll ever reach the world, but yeah, I think, I think I've kind of been in a place with the pandemic of like, it, if music doesn't hit immediately, I do not have the patience for it. So I think trying to make music that sort of feels closer to that. Mm-hmm. It, it sounded for a second that you were encroaching on what we discussed earlier this during this interview, which is this philosophy of bangers only. Yeah. Yeah, only bangers, for sure. Thanks for listening to the first episode of the Local Bops podcast. Our theme music was written and performed by Billy Coughlin, a.k.a. Ambient Mice. If you enjoyed what you heard, please give the show a follow on Instagram, at LocalBopsNYC. And be sure to give an in-depth listen to The Blue of Distance, out now on all major streaming platforms, as well as at ellerysaxel.bandcamp.com. If you're looking for more bops, you can listen to a radio version of the show every Tuesday from 10 to 11 p.m. EST on kpis.fm. Finally, I'm a bit new to this whole podcasting thing, so if you have any feedback, I'd love to hear it. Drop me a line at localbopsnyc at gmail.com. Once again, thanks for tuning in, and take care.